in John chapter 4, um, picking up in, in verse 13. And just a, a little bit um, to kind of recap, Pastor Mike giving us the history last week. Jesus uh, traveling purposely through Samaria. He had a divine appointment in Samaria uh, where most Jews would, would never go. And he shared a, a lot of the history of the, the prejudices and the things that were going on there. But he had a divine appointment with this, this promiscuous woman at the well. Uh, so he made it a point to travel through there. He begins a conversation. Uh, of course, the woman is surprised because a, a Jewish man in that day uh, would not rarely, if ever, even speak to a, a woman, even another Jewish woman. Sometimes even a rabbi or someone would not speak to their own wife. A Jewish man would not in public. And so uh, he's, he's doing things that that, um, like our Savior does, gets people's attention. And so we're going to pick up in verse 13 of the conversation uh, with Jesus and the woman at, at the well. Um, he says, Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. He's speaking of the, 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 the water that was of that well, of Jacob's well. The woman had said, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. How are you going to get this water? Her mind is on earthly things. Jesus is trying to lead her into a spiritual conversation, but her mind is so focused on earthly things that she's not picking up the direction of the conversation. Uh, he's trying to help her to see who it is that sits before her. He'd asked her the question, if you knew, or he made the statement, if you knew who it was that offers you this water trying to bring her attention that he, God in the presence, God in the flesh, is trying to share spiritual things with this woman. But her mind goes back to the earthly things. He said to her, he, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him. The water that, that she was thinking about, the, the earthly water, never satisfies. Um... I've got a bottle of water sitting over there in the pew. I've been working on it all morning. But I just can't seem to leave it alone because I always remain thirsty. We will always remain thirsty when we try to fill our needs with earthly things. They never satisfy. This woman's mind is on carnal things. All she's thinking about is the physical. She's not seeing the spiritual. So many times the physical things in our life get in the way when God is trying to do something spiritual. We get concerned about the daily things that we must do. We get concerned with the daily cares of life, the, the, the things that have to be done at home, the job that has to be done, work that has to be done, what the kids need. All of these things are things of this world that occupy our minds sometimes that, that don't allow us to answer to the things that God is speaking into our lives. We completely miss it like she's missing it because our minds are, are focused on, on the material Things that we can hold. Things that, that actually fit in the palm of our hand. Things that, that go on every day. That we have to deal with every day. The things of this world can get in the way. But I love that he says that whoever drinks the water that I will give. Man, I love I will give. This is not anything that we can earn. The water that he gives us is given freely by grace and nothing else. It cannot be bought. It cannot be earned. Religion won't get it for you. Religion cannot acquire the life-giving water 
that Jesus offers us. Duties will not acquire this water. Being in church every Sunday will not get you this water. It is the gift of God by grace. He makes that statement twice. This water that I will give. And I love the will in that. Because the will is that if you come to me, seeking me, the Spirit of God has spoken into your heart. If you come to me, I will. It's not I might give it to you if I think you've done enough. Or I might give it to you if you've worked hard enough. No, I will give this living water to all who come to me is what Christ is telling us. I will give. Shall never thirst, but the water that I will give will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. We'll never thirst. The presence of God in our life quenches the very thirst of our soul. Doesn't mean that he's going to give you everything that your heart desires. But he will give you all that you need. Peace, hope, joy that passes all understanding that no matter what circumstances of life, no matter about the, the worldly things, the physical things that constantly draw our attention away from him, the water that he gives us quenches the thirst of our soul forever. Take away the desires sometimes that, that get in the way. But it is a water that is a, a, a spring that never runs out in our life. That we always have hope. His word tells us that he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. He's always there for us. We'll never thirst. What a great statement that is for the believer. But that statement is for the believer. For those who have come to him, received him as their savior, you will never thirst. What are, we, what, what are we allowing in our lives that takes our mind away from that? Be still and never thirst. Be still and know that he is God and that he has provided everything that we need and that we will never thirst. And this water is a well springing, springing up to eternal life. A picture of the very life of Christ Dwelling inside of us. A spring that comes from deep in the earth never runs out. It is constantly flowing. Constantly bringing new life. Constantly ebbing up every day. And that very life of Christ that is within the believer is that wellspring of life. It is the only life that gives hope and a future. It is the only life that gives joy and peace. The, the, the things of this world can't provide that. It is only that life of Christ inside of us. It is also a picture of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, in us, guiding us, directing us, being there for us, giving us peace, hope. The very life of Christ welling up inside of you and I forever, refreshing our souls. Our souls can get kind of beat down sometimes we let the things of this world get on our back but know that that wellspring of water that is inside of you always refreshes always brings new life always brings us back to the source of that water christ the picture of the well is christ the well is the source of the water christ himself 
His very life inside of us, being that wellspring of water for you and I. Man, there's hope in that. There's joy in that. There's peace in that. Peace that you're not going to find in anything else. If you're not in Christ, if you're not a believer, that should be the desire of your heart. When God speaks into your heart about coming to Christ, these are the things that we desire. These are the things that, that draw us to himself. A wellspring, living water, hope. Refreshing us every day. No matter how the world wants to beat you down, that wellspring of water can lift you back up. Put you back where you need to be in his presence. Pick your face up. Look up. Put a smile on. Joy to your heart. This world has nothing that can overcome that wellspring of water. Nothing. When we allow it to be everything in us, when we allow that, that refreshing spring to continually, continually flow in our lives. Sometimes I think we, we try to find a big giant stone and stuff it in the hole, try to block it up sometimes. We take the things of this world and try to block that, that, that water up, that, that spring up, but you can't do it. Uh, we take the kids down to Itchituckney in the summertime, pretty much every summer, and the, the, the head spring that feeds the Itchituckney River uh, is there at the beginning where you jump in the water and you can get into the swimming hole and try to swim down into the spring. It's impossible. The flow is so strong, it just continually pushes you back out. And for the believer, that is that wellspring of Christ. Always flowing, always new, always fresh, refreshing the soul. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. Her mind goes back to the carnal. He's trying to share spiritual things with her, but her mind keeps going back to, to give me something I can hold. Give me something that, that I can grasp onto. Give me something that prevents me from having to work every day coming all the way down here to the well to get my water and have to carry it all the way back home. Give me something that, that, that makes my life easier. Well, how many of us have, have done that? Lord, make my life simple. Lord, make my life easier. That's not what it's about. That, that, that is, is the carnal mind saying, it's about me. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about what he wants to do inside of us. She couldn't get it. Her mind could not wrap around that he had something far greater for her than physical needs being met. The spiritual is always greater than the physical. We have to get our mind off of the things of this world so that Christ can step in and put his things inside of us. That wellspring. But first we have to, to, to move away from the physical, the worldly, the carnal mind. It's just so caught up in the here and the right now. Give me water right now so I don't have to walk to the well. Make my life easier right now so that I don't have to work so hard. He didn't say that we wouldn't have to work so hard. He did say that we would enjoy the work a lot more. That we would have a lot more peace inside of it. 
and that it would not drag us down the way it, the way it can sometimes. Jesus, excuse me, he said to her, go, call your husband and come here. Uh, we see a picture of Jesus turning the, the, the conversation back to the spiritual. Go, call your husband and come here. She's thinking of the fleshly. He's thinking of the spiritual. He's about to bring her in to his realm. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. Jesus did two things with this statement. One, he revealed his deity to her. He told her everything about her life. He revealed himself as knowing all things to her. And two, he called her out on her sin. There is no salvation without first the realization of sin. If you look at this woman's situation, it's not that different from the world we live in today. We live in a society that has dumbed down sin, made it socially acceptable and politically incorrect to say anything about it. This woman's sin was sexual sin. It was fornication, adultery. Our society has basically glorified this today. But you know the real heartbreaking truth? Is that we've led it into the church. We as believers, our hearts should be crushed and broken over sin. We can't turn our backs on it. We can't just let it go and say, well, it's just the way things are these days. It's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's just how it goes. It's our culture. The church has to affect the culture. Not the culture affecting the church. We've got to get it right. We've allowed it to creep into the church. Not this church, hopefully. Because I'll tell you this. There's a lot of churches that have dumbed down sin. There's a lot of churches that have turned their back on. There's a lot of churches that have invited it in and accepted it. But as long as the leadership is in this place, it is currently in this place, we will call sin, sin. And we will speak against it. We will tell you what it is. Grace covers all of it. Yes, it does. But in the words of Paul, and I'll paraphrase this, I'm sure I'll probably butcher his eloquence. But he said that just because the fact that grace has covered all of our sins and they've all been put away on the cross, does this give us a right to sin? May it never be absolutely not. Why would we nullify the grace of God in such a way? We live in a society where, I won't call them artists, I'll call them celebrities because that's what they are, they're not artists, can get on primetime television and do things that, that 15 years ago we would have called softcore pornography and do things that, I don't even want to go there, but if a godly man stands up and says what the Bible says about sin, he is excoriated and treated horribly. But yet, 
the society accepts the sexual sin that they feed us every day. Christian, that should break your heart. Unbeliever, lost person, that should drive you to the foot of the cross. We should be heartbroken, and if we've allowed that into our life as a believer, we need to be on our knees before God, asking Him to change our hearts and draw Him back to Himself. All right, I'm going to get off that bandwagon. All right, so He reveals His deity to the woman, reveals her sin to her. Again, without the revelation of sin, there's no need for a Savior. He had a purpose and a point in helping this woman to see her sin. To see that she was lost and in need of a Savior. Because until we come to that realization, lost person, until you come to that realization that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior, you cannot come and receive that grace. It begins with understanding that we need to be saved. And he was helping her to see this. He called her out. He said, I know your life and I know your lifestyle. But I am the remedy for your lifestyle, is what he's telling her. Only Christ is the remedy for sin. Only he has put sin away on the cross. And only by receiving him, lost person, can your sin be done away with. You know, I I, I think about, and and I'm not one to ask or, or ever try to get a person to question their salvation. But I think about sin... And if it exists habitually in our life without any conviction, do we truly have an abiding relationship with a Savior? Or did we just get some fire insurance? Did we make a decision on the basis of, I don't want to go to hell? Or did we make a decision of, I want Christ to be everything in my life? I want Him to be the wellspring of water rising up inside of me. There's a huge difference in that. We counsel teenagers all the time that that come and tell us and and God has revealed himself to them and he's spoken into their heart and they come to us and go, you know, I don't know him. Somebody said, if you don't want to go to hell, come down here and say this prayer. And so they ran to the front going, I don't want to go to hell. But they never received and entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. There's a difference. There's a desire to have Christ at the very center of your life. Putting all of your sin away so that you don't have to be under that burden of sin anymore. That is what he desired to do for this woman. That was what he was trying to help her to see. And there's a glimmer of hope. Verse 19, she says, to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, he's so much more than a prophet. God in the flesh stepped out of heaven, walked the earth, came into this woman's presence, addressed her at the well. But she began to see something different about This is no ordinary Jew. Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Oh, he's so much more than a prophet. He's so much more than just a a good teacher. He is the Son of God who came to rescue us. Who came and gave his life that we might have eternal life. 
abundant life. He said that the water springs up to eternity for you and I who receive him. There's hope. Are you come to the realization that he was more than just another Jew? Let me tell you this. He was more than just a prophet. As Caleb and the, the band come to begin to, to play our invitation, I've got a, a, just three things. I'll go through them real quickly for you. There's more. He's more than just a prophet. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh who came to save us. Give you three things and we'll have our invitation. Remember, this is the time to come. The invitation, just, just back to the beginning there. Christ is the well. He is the only source of living water, the depth of which we will never be able to fathom. The woman said to him, sir, the well is deep. She had no idea how deep that well was. None of us will ever be able to fathom the depth of the love of God for you and I. Christ is the well. He's the source. So deep. So refreshing. He desires you to come unto him so that he can give you that water. Number two. Only the spiritual water that Christ offers will quench the thirst of our souls. Nothing in this world is going to make you happy. More money's not going to make you happy. It's not going to satisfy your soul. That next job is not going to satisfy your soul. That next house, that next car, that next girlfriend, that next boyfriend is not going to satisfy what is longing deep inside of you. Only Christ can do that. Only receiving Christ as your Savior will ever satisfy that. Number three, there's no salvation without the realization and confession of sin. Go call your husband and come here. He did two things with that statement. Go call, revealing her sin. Go call your husband. But then he said something even greater than that. He said, come here. Come unto me. When you come to that realization that you're a sinner, then come unto me and I will give you rest. Then come unto me and I will give you salvation. Save you from your sins. Go call, but come unto me. Jesus calls us unto himself. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, he's calling you unto himself. He's not calling you to religion. He's not calling you to a list of duties. He's not calling you to a 12-step program. He's calling you unto himself, into his very presence. And that life, that wellspring of life, he will enter into you for eternity. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your mercy and for your grace. Lord, we thank you for uh, Christ speaking to the woman at the well, speaking to us, speaking to, to those who are here, God, of his mercy and his grace, of water that resides within us forever, for eternity, for those who come to him. God, I pray that, that those that you're dealing with in this place today, God, would come unto you. God, if you're, you're calling someone to salvation, that today would be the day that they come forward and say, I want to know more, not just about not going to hell, but about having Christ as the center of my life, and then not going to hell. God, I pray that you will move, Lord, for, for, for those that just need to come to the altar. God, give us freedom, Lord, to come and, and just unload 
and give you all the cares of our heart. You are the only one who can satisfy us. God, let us seek that satisfaction this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.